Welcome to Episteme Entrepreneur, the media dedicated to science, technology, and innovation. Today, my uh, my friend is co-host uh, co-hosting this event with me, uh, Dr. Benjamin Del Sol. He's a quantum physicist and a European patent attorney. Hello, Benjamin. How are you? Hey, fine. Thank you, Ari. Perfect, perfect. Uh, today we have a fantastic uh, yeah. guest. Uh, his name is Roy Mel Melzer. He is a patent attorney and computer engineer by training. Uh, he is the head uh, of computing technologies department at the Reichmann University. He is also a patent attorney at uh, and uh, head of software information system department at the Enrich N- 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 Group. You correct me then if, if uh, I bad pronounce it. Um, Roy is also the contributor of a great book uh, published by Springer. Uh, titled Intellectual Property Management for Startups uh, under the, the supervision of Professor Dr. Martin Bader and Professor Dr. Sevin Suzer-Goglu-Melchior. Uh, Roy's chapter uh, is about start- Israeli startups and ecosystem, and that's why we wanted uh, badly to have him here with us as a guest because uh, this subject is uh, so great. We Everybody, you know, here here about the the success of Israel as, as a great nation of technology, innovation, science, and startups. Uh, you know, we hear that the Nasdaq is full of Israeli startups. So we want to understand what is your secret. Hello, Roy, how are you? Hi, good. thank you for hosting me. Fantastic. I will just try to see if we can make a better settings here to have you. <laughs> I will test it all. <laughs> yeah, another one, another one. <laughs> another one. This one, this one is not no, good, no. No, it's not so good. Nope. Roy, uh, could you could you start to to little bit present your background and and how you ended to study uh, computer engineering and and why you let's say you left uh, doing uh, research and development to to commit into the law of intellectual property uh, because it's always interesting to see how uh, what is the journey of our guests and why uh, why they became the professional they are now today. Uh, sure. So I uh, I started university and uh, I studied computer science, but I also studied law. And um, when you study, uh, I start working um, uh, as a computer uh, programmer uh, at the industry in image processing. And I worked in uh, the security industry, which was uh, related to uh, helmet alignments and head-mounted displays for weaponry. And um, because I also studied law, I had to do an internship. If you want to be mm-hmm. in the, uh, the uh, if you want to be also a lawyer, you have to do an internship. So I decided to do an internship, and it was only made sense to have it on the patent law side because of my background in technology. Uh, so I went and studied uh, law, and um, and after that, uh, during that, that process, um, I was more involved in uh, litigation processes. And at a certain point, um, I, I always remember there was uh, this painting uh, above the, uh, below, uh, behind the, the back of uh, the guys that uh, I worked with. It was a cow, and the cow, uh, you had one uh, peasant catching the, um, the, the tail, and the other peasant catching her, her, uh, her horns. And you had uh, the judge, which is not the judge, actually the lawyer that milks the cow. So for me, it was a, so it was a good indication that I don't want to be in litigation because that was uh, because I don't want to milk. I don't want to enjoy the fight. <laughs> 
it's not it's not a place it's not isn't a place for me so I, I knew I, I'm gonna back to I will go back to, to creativity and um, and then they told me okay if you already did a year internship as a patent attorney as an attorney if you uh, maybe you should complete the patent attorney uh, internship uh, might be more suitable for you and uh, I did it and I became a patent attorney it was it's almost 20 years ago yeah that's uh yeah. So it's quite, of course, natural, you know, when you have a science or tech uh, uh, background to, you know, to, to, to commit into the patent, uh, the law of patent and to become an expert in this field, of course, uh, uh, divorce, divorce litigation or, 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 or I don't know, other kind of law is not uh, naturally, but uh, okay. So it was, um, but you like, I mean, you like it when you study this specific, this, spe this specialty in law, right? Uh, when I studied law, I was uh, more interested in, uh, yeah, I, I, I focused on intellectual property also in my studies, but uh, I think that the moment that I started to work with inventors, which is uh, more technological and uh, less uh, litigious, uh, that were the point that I really knew I, I liked this process because you mm. can, it's actually, uh, as we say, as the patent attorneys, it's the, honest, the only job in the world that someone is paying you to teach you. <laughs> so... You actually study, you learn from your inventors, you learn from your clients, and this is a very interesting position. You know, usually you are you pay to be to be taught, and now you're paying you for teaching you. It's, it's nice. Mm. This, this is also something that I, I say usually to to Benjamin. Uh, pat, um, patent uh, attorney have this particular position, you know, to 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 observe. Uh, all the innovation bubbling everywhere, you know, you have uh, because you have the tools to, to follow all the innovation bubbling everywhere, while uh, scientists, engineers and innovators can't, you know, they are, they, are, they, are, they, are, they are in their silo of innovation. They, do, they don't have this kind of uh, beyond uh, vision of the innovation. Yeah, and I think because it's also relatively multidisciplinary. As a patent attorney, you're doing a lot. Of course, you have your specialty. For example, in my case, it's computer technologies. You have computer technologies which are related to health, uh, to security, to avionics, to autonomous driving, generative AI, to AI. So you're in a position to combine technologies, which is an interesting position. Benjamin, do not hesitate to interrupt me. You know, yes. you know how, how worthy I am. Am I? Am I so do not uh, hesitate to interrupt. No, 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 and it's true, and it's it's a mix, but it's also a mix of fields because it's also business, innovations, law, science technologies so it's it's really a, a very special uh, uh, position i think because we we are able to understand the business of our clients the technologies and to use law to protect their ideas so um, it's yeah, for, from my point of view it's an exceptional uh, work <laughs> so how did you uh, join the the early group and uh... Because in your bio, uh, I, I, maybe you correct me, I read that you, you, you co-founded this, this group, right? Uh, not exactly. I joined uh, this group when it was called Ehrlich Partner. It was, uh, it was specialized uh, in, in biotech, but also in computers. They had a computer department back then. And I was trained uh, and still being trained uh, from a European perspective by uh, uh, Jeff Melnick, which is a uh, European patent attorney. And so he gave me that uh, perspective and still giving it and helping helping from that perspective from time to time. And um, But uh, over the years, uh, we built this uh, department and uh, became the largest department in the firm also. 
With wow. And how do you articulate uh, this job uh, with uh, your position at the university, uh, at the Reichman University? Is it, uh, is it something with the uh, with the wall, or do you have a deep connection with the university and the researchers and and the TTO? Uh, so in Israel, actually, our job is really segregated and separated from the university. In university, uh, my my position in the university is related to something relatively different. It's not about patent law or intellectual properties. I'm I'm giving a I'm giving a course on the ethics for entrepreneurs, mm. which uh, brings um, the position of uh, how entrepreneurs should incorporate their values and ethics into their projects. And how to make sure that um, the projects uh, comply with ethic rules and some ethics in uh, fundraising and ethics uh, with uh, investors. But I think the most interesting point is to make sure that those guys understand that their technology um, uh, is operated in a, uh, in a blue ocean. There is usually no law that governs new developments because the law is running after the tech mm. technology will always be faster and they have to to know how to create their tech with uh, uh ethic ethic rules and values integrated into the tech and to, to think in advance about matters like privacy security uh, and others and things that you cannot even imagine mm. we can see it now Now. We can talk about it uh, for an hour, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> with pleasure. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's great to you. Thanks for clarifying, you know, your position at the Reichman University and also in, in that group. Because you no, know, just well, if I read your bio as a outsider, you know, just reading the screen, I, I was making this kind of fantasy, you know, that you were in the Reichman University helping the TTO, you know, to decipher the. The next uh, big thing, and then you help them to, you know, to patent the thing, you know, something like that. Because you know, we always want to to see that Israel do do things differently than here in Europe and elsewhere. Um, yeah, I guess it. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's completely different. It's. Uh, I think the Israeli. Um, let's take it uh, from a different perspective. Uh, for example, uh, if you take Germany, Germany, for example, is a leading technological entity, you know, in Europe and. And of course, a role model for many countries, including including for Israel or, or Switzerland, of course. But Alice is the langsam sicher. Okay, so you have to go safely and slowly, and to make development in a very safe way and in a slow manner. And usually, it's a step by step. So we we call it a very much uh, uh, incremental innovation. Okay? When you say an incremental innovation, you you imagine something that you know. Uh, You have a mouse with two with two keys, and then you have three keys, and then you added a scroll, and then you change the shape a little bit, and now it's wireless, and now it's wireless with lights, and now it's folding. So it slowly, incrementally changes. So to add some simple details, and this is actually the most important innovations that one can have, okay? Mm -hmm. Because you down, you, this is how you develop science. Science is developed. Uh, you have a problem. You have a solution, the solution creates a problem. You have a solution, your solution creates a problem, and so on and so forth. And this is how you develop science, it's a, 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 a evolutionary perspective on science. Yes. So, so you do that very slowly and, and study and safely in Germany, in Switzerland, of course, in mechanics as well. But, but Israel was never a leading entity in a mechanical field or the old field. You know, Israel became out of nowhere innovation. Hub because 
Israel managed to go through this computing age, uh, the data age, in a very successful way. And, and why, maybe why that we made it? Because first, we don't have any, have any we you don't have much resources. So everything had to be done uh, without resources. You don't, the good thing in computing, you don't have to, to pay for a huge lab. You don't have to pay for, for uh, raw materials. You, you, don't need, uh, you don't need space. Everything, everything can be done in a small room uh, with computers. And also, I think uh, you, if you add to it the culture of, of, of developing things fast, uh, we call it, um, we call it uh, in Israel uh, a tower and a, a tower and um, a tower and a wall. Because why we call it a tower and a wall? Uh, because back when the British Israel was uh, confronted by the British uh, government, I demanded the mandate said that everything, every, every. Um, Burger shop. Every burger, every uh, city that you try to to build um, out of, uh, you, you have to. If it has a tower and a wall, you cannot destroy it. But if you're just starting to build it, you can destroy it immediately overnight. So yeah. we still avoid having the the local people to build, you know, to make uh, to make evidence as you know to to set rules on the on the ground. So what uh, the settlers did in Israel when they came here, they during the mandate they. They built a city overnight. Okay. How, do you, how do you build a city overnight? You need a tower and a wall. That, okay. was, that was the British rule. So you made overnight a tower and a wall, and that you can, they can destroy it anymore, and you can build inside it. Mm. So the Israeli startup culture is very much a tower and a wall. You have little money, you have a little time, you have uh, so you're trying to do something that will work fast. Uh, you don't have to do it slowly and safely. You just have to make it work. You make your minimum valuable project in a minimum. In a minimal, we, we used to call it at the beginning of uh, the 2000, a lean mean machine. Okay, so you have a very lean. You don't have a lot of resources to develop mm-hmm. it. And you have to be very mean because you have to be very fast and you have to go out there. Mm-hmm. Get your goals immediately. This is this is fascinating, uh, Benjamin. Would, would you like that we discuss a little bit more about uh, the, the the patent expertise of Roy, or do you want uh, maybe we we shift directly into his, the the specificity of Israel? Oh, um, I think it's a mix because because I'm very interesting to about the IP strategy of uh, startups in Israel to, to see there is a difference with, uh, with Switzerland, for example, or other countries in Europe. And uh, because I think this could be a key to explain uh, why uh, the, there is this success. Um, but I think already building a tower on the wall during the night, I think this is very interesting. And uh, um, I think first, the incremental innovation has something very interesting also because uh, you start with a product, if you have a business and everything works, you increment it. So you keep your clients with a new product and go on and go on and go on. So this is a solution. But at the same time, going very fast means that uh, you, you can be very innovative. If it works, perfect. If it doesn't work, you don't care. You, you, you kill it and you create a new one. So, so this is a two uh, extreme part, I would say. Uh, but both of them can work very, very well. And probably with today's technologies and economy, uh, probably the, the fast way is probably the better. But let's see uh, what, uh, what are the key uh, about the success of these startups in Israel. Um, so 
I, 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 <laughs> let me guess, you know, it's like, yeah, know, of course. but uh, my feel is like, you know, in the end, you asked me before in the preparation, what is the ratio of failure in Israel? Yeah, right. And the ratio of failure in Israel is, uh, if you look at initiatives, 91%, 91% of the, of the, the entities fail. Okay, in the long run, mm-hmm. so very your success rates are are, are very uh, limited. It's very hard to uh, to build. Most of the cases you fail. What we are saying that uh, most close in a year and a half, and only few survive three years, and only a fraction of these few survive the five years. Mm-hmm. Most most of these entities in the end fail. So we say that the, the best thing is to succeed, but. Uh, The, the second best thing is to fail fast. fast. Yes. <laughs> if, you're fast slow, if you fail slow, you know, so you, maybe you, you waste your life on a, on, on a, on a failure. But yeah. I think the Israel, I'm not sure it was meant to be that. But, you know, because in Israel, the entities, the, the VC money is very small. You, the first rounds, you don't get a lot. It's not like you get $15 million dollars or 15 million euros. Okay, go ahead. Sometimes you get less than a million. Mm-hmm. you guess a million you know and how much you can run with it it's a good question that was the you know it's starting to you know maybe in the last years it changes a little bit and you have more money and you have second timers that know what they want but you think about it mm-hmm. the beginning you know you started with a very little amount of funds friends and family money some uh, the innovation authority from Israel money they give you a quarter of a million shekel which is less than one now uh, 100,000 uh, francs. So you, you don't have a lot of funds and you have to survive with it. Uh, and that's it. So you have to define your minimum valuable product very fast. Okay, so you define it fast and you get your test. You have, you, have, you know, maybe it, it, if you look at it from evolutionary perspective, you know, you, you, from evolutionary perspective, if you fail fast, someone else survive fast. So it's like you, when you have small entities they can uh, with a, a shortest uh, living span they, they can you have uh, you have uh, the mutations come faster so maybe if yeah. this is what we have when we don't do this uh, process it's not uh, very slow and safe it's uh, something that iterates very fast you can get to perfection or to what whatever works whatever is suitable you can get to it faster yes yeah But, With this comes the price of, of a society that uh, uh, is not experienced in maintaining big entities. If you look at the Israeli market, you don't see a lot of so-called, uh, if you're medium small, uh, medium, uh, medium small companies, you do have this, but you don't have, you don't have a lot of medium companies. You have small companies, if you have huge companies, you have big ones. But the medium ones, you don't have many because the Israeli startups are being sold. Either when they become medium size or before they become so you, you have a company like Salesforce that coming and buying you know various <laughs> entities or, or Microsoft which is which is great for the industry but uh, you don't have the structure of building a long stable company or, mm-hmm. or you have where you have more of them in France in Switzerland and uh, Germany this is, this is fascinating and um, I, w- I will say something that could literally uh, kill you know our discussion. <laughs> But uh, I will say it anyway, uh, about the culture, you know, the culture of failure. Uh, in oh. France, we, of course, there are, people are trying to fight over this in the startup, in the startup ecosystem, in, in the French, French startup ecosystem and, and beyond in the European one. But here 
in, in Europe and France particularly, when you fail as an entrepreneur, you have the the stigmata, you know, of of the of a loser, and and your family, your friends, your your colleagues, everybody will boo you, boo loser, loser. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. in in small country, very dynamic like Israel, Luxembourg, Singapore, when you fail a startup, it's it's not a problem, you know. You can you can you can you can make another one, another one, another one, you know. And people back you and help you, and and you find a job, you can find a job into another startup, etc. And there is this kind of dynamics, and maybe. I'm wrong, but uh, what do you think about this culture of failure? I, I agree with you. I think it's very basic. It might be even the main reason. So it's, it's, it combines two things. We are not very Japanese. You know, <laughs> a, failure, a failure is not the end of the way. A failure is, uh, is, it's a step. is part of life. A failure is part of life. We have a lot of... I, I tell my son that there are two types of people in the world. Uh, those who fail and those who, do, and those who will never succeed. That's that's what you have. There are failures, and failures is part of life. And you feel it in the army, and you feel it when you go to the government and trying to issue something. And and you everything is a fight in Israel because it's a young country and it's a very not a such a nice neighborhood. You know, it's yeah. We have our so there are always fights. When you, when you are in Switzerland and the, the the train doesn't come on time, it's a big issue. Yeah, when yeah. you are in Israel and the train comes on time, it's an issue. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a it's a it's a different way of looking on life. You know, yes. you don't expect it to succeed sometimes. You just expect it to to fail, and you're trying to make your way to how you handle with this failure. How do you handle with this hurdle or, or something overcome? So, yeah, it's, yeah, you are in a survival, survival mode all the time, more or less. But, but I really like your comparison with evolution. And I think this is a key uh, because you are breathing fast uh, companies and innovations and you are failing fast. Uh, at the end, it's as, like you said, it's an evolution. I mean, it's like a Darwin experiment, uh, but uh, 10 times or 1,000 times faster than other countries. And so they explain why it, why it works because at the end, uh, we will not count how many times you fail. We will count how many times you succeed. Uh, I mean, in the papers, in the news, and so on. If we compare with Michael Jordan, he, he failed most of the time, but we just keep in mind when he succeed. And this is the same, I think. And uh, and and as you said, Ari, and, and you, Roy, it's based also on the culture of failure. If we estimate that failing is just part of life, as you said, and it's a step to go from from zero to a success, it works. Uh, mm. If you keep trying, you never fail. Yeah, and and that and this is uh, why maybe I'm wrong, but this is why I I don't believe that we can uh, export a model of success elsewhere. You know, people send economists in Silicon Valley, in Israel, and Singapore to study. You know, and then to, to transpose the model elsewhere. It never works because they always f- forget that culture is something deeply connected to the people. You know, and. And uh, this is this is my opinion. Maybe Germany do not agree with me. No, no, you're right uh, on a part. I think we can export the culture of failing, of failure. Uh, I think this is uh, there is a, a talk which can be organized in every country. It's called uh, Fuck Up Night. Fuck Up <laughs> Night. It's uh, you come and you explain your failures and you explain how it helps you to succeed today. So this is great, and I think we we should have most. Uh, most of these uh, kind of events. Uh, I think we can export the culture of failure uh, for startups. Mm-hmm. I think we can't 
exported for VCs and, and for the investment part, because of course it's not what they want, <laughs> but uh, probably with time we can export the, this culture. Um, so yeah, I think we can, we can try, we can it's, export it's, it. It's not, it's not what they want, but they, you know, if there is an economic model for a failure, you know, if you, if you know that you, you, do, you do your best, and you fail four times out of five, but this one time that you succeed brings you 10 times more than those five. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. That, that's fine, that's, that's, we don't have yes, to be yes. a risk taker. Yeah. And, uh, uh, that explains also why it's more important to invest on a team than just on a project, because the team, as a project can fail, but if the team is good and, and has a great dynamic and is motivated, she's, the team can, make another project and maybe can succeed this time. So that's why probably that ex explain why uh, among all the criteria to invest in a company, uh, the team is on the top three uh, of this criteria. I think you also have to be, a, when it comes to IP, Yeah. Um, if you go back a little bit, one of the important things you draft for startups is to understand that maybe their minimum valuable product as I see it today, won't be their value tomorrow. Because the first reason in the world for a startup to succeed usually, so they say, is timing. If you have the right product at the right time, you will succeed. And if you have the right product, and but it's not the right time, it's not going to help you if the, if the time is not there. I, I drafted patent in augmented reality more than 10 years ago. Nothing okay. happened. Nothing happened. Good, good tech, good ideas. Nothing happened. Yeah. Okay, you, you, you can you could draft a very good patent in the blockchain industry and if you were not in the right years, crypto is dead, so crypto is dead. Yeah. So yeah. You have to wait another year before the resurrection, but it's, it's six months ago, crypto was dead. Yeah, yeah. It didn't help you if you you, uh, you had the best technology to, to have a great uh, wallet. And, and, uh, and about IP, uh... What is your typical strategy for an Israeli startup? So I would say it's for any startup, and it's not just for Israelis, because even in Israel, we, our first filing is usually for startups in the U.S., the most important yeah. market for us. Uh, and then the European market, the Japanese market, Korean Israeli market is, is relatively small. Uh, but um, when, you, when you draft uh, the patent, um, you have to cover more than just your product. Yes. Many, many startups are going with their product to the patent attorney, and it's a mistake. It's, it's a mistake from lots of reasons. From the basic perspective, uh, which is uh, in not uh, the, your product is what you do and not how you do it. A patent is not good for that. And second, it's not flexible. If you change your product, you change your coverage, the coverage is not there anymore. And we lose this evolutionary perspective and the ability to be agile about what we do. So those are two perspectives in more detail. There are two types of innovation in the world, as I see it. One is business innovation. Business innovation is very important, but it is what you do. Okay? For example, if you are the first one to have uh, coffee machines in uh, bus stations, where okay, maybe you need it because in Israel the bus doesn't come time. So you have you, you need your coffee machine on the bus station that nobody did it before. That's a business opportunity. Yeah. That's a business innovation. Nobody did it before. But this is not a patent because it's just an abstract idea. It doesn't tell you anything. And if it's not even an abstract idea, someone already said it in a blog or a post, you know, because of the virality of the information, there is very easy 
time travels and information travels with time. So it's, it's, it's already out there. You have to go down deeper to the how you do. How you allow the coffee machine to be installed in a bus station without electricity, condition, weather condition uh, to be stable. How do you can make, how can you change uh, the milk and, uh, and uh, the coffee uh, in a simple way, maybe with a delivery guy? How do you uh, charge for it? How do you change the charging? What's the communication? Maybe you can make it uh, the price dependent on the time that it will take the bus to arrive. Maybe you can give it as a compensation for about the guys who wait for the car to the bus. I don't know. There are a lot of ideas that you can implement in it, but they all have to be technical solutions to a problem. Once you have a good technical solution to a problem, then maybe you have a chance for a good patent. Yeah. Okay? Now, in Israel, the, the investment doesn't come usually for business innovation. Okay? Usually, people do not invest with you because you have a good business innovation. It has to be combined with some kind of a technical solution. And this technical solution should be the, the core, the core of the patent, of the main patent. Um, and this technical solution has to be described in a way that is commercially important. Okay, commercially important, namely the, not what you do, but how you do will be the one that you, other people want to copy. Okay, so it used to be a coffee machine, but maybe now it's any vending machine or, or it can be any beverage machine or maybe not just for bus stations, but also for other places. Maybe it should be... Train coffee. station. Yeah, you should, we should address the, the problem and to the, you know, the innovation point of view, but the how we do it and not the what we do. Yeah. And it has to be uh, not obvious to the to the skill in the art. And, and I, I always tell the inventor, don't don't ignore this sentence. Okay, <laughs> you don't understand what it is. But uh, but now that you define the problem, is your solution is the one that comes to mind, or your solution is not your other solution? Is is your solution is unique to that problem? So we are trying to to reduce the the question to the to the engineering level, to discuss it on their perspective. And of course, because we are in the computer technologies areas, it's also important that we have something that is identifiable, that we will know that someone is infringing. Because if you yeah, do not yeah. know that someone is infringing, it's better to keep it as a trade secret. And this is many startups in Israel which are focusing on machine learning, deep tech. Sometimes I'm telling them and they tell themselves, okay, maybe it's better to keep it as a secret, at least for a while. Uh, and this is something that we do. We, of course... We have some solutions in the middle, but the best patents are usually the ones that are really combined into the user in user experience. Yes. Okay. The patents which are combined to the user experience are the ones that people will want to copy. Okay. If you just want to copy the what's happening at the server side, so you, you have to find this how this is embodied in the client experience. If you don't find okay. a way to cover how to embody the client experience, it's very hard to decide unless you see, you identify why it is reverse, reverse engineerable. And this is a good question to ask the client, what is reverse engineering? So in Israel, the reason that I think we get to good solutions and good uh, outcomes is because our limited, we have a very limited budget to begin with. And so we really need to think on something that will provide a good return on investment. Mm. We think on the ROI from day one, also for, and that's, and that, that's uh, what we really need. Yeah, so um, I, I think we have uh, all the, the ingredients, more or less, for the recipe of success. Because if we think that uh, we build fast, we fail fast, investments are only or mainly for tech innovation, 
uh, and we have a culture of failure. If we mix all this, we we succeed. I mean, uh, because we will fail again and again and again, and we don't care because at the point we will succeed, and we will succeed with a tech innovation, not a business innovation. I think in in US and mainly in Europe, business innovation are also something that attract investors. But and I think maybe this is a mistake. Not always, but maybe uh, because therefore we will not focus on tech innovation. So business innovation can can live maybe three, four, four or five years, but can be killed. Uh, but if we focused on tech innovation and we are in this survival mode uh, because we don't have a lot of money at the beginning, so we have to do the best of, we ca- of what we can and we do it fast and we fail fast and we are in this dynamic, for, uh, we will succeed. It's uh, we, we there is no other end possible because uh, you will try unless you succeed. So you repeat and until you succeed. So yes, it's that's um it's very it's not an easy life, you know. And in the end, we say that the the hardest life or the the life of a CEO. It is um yeah yeah. But if we look at the Darwin point of view, uh, it's in the hardest time that life succeeds. I mean, you, you can evolve only if you are in a, in a difficult situation. If life is easy, there is no evolution uh, and the species will die more or less with time. So we need uh, challenges. We need to struggle, to, to, be, to strive, to be able to, to survive and then to evolve. So, so no, I think we, we have more or less the, the, the key ingredients uh, that explain this uh, success. I mean, the, the success that we see, because mm. if we if we compare with the rate of failure, it's high, it's very high, but it's more or less the same than everywhere. But uh, yeah. It sometimes doesn't feel very just, it's yeah. the way it is, because I saw very gifted inventors and entrepreneurs that uh, failed and failed again, or succeeded and sold too fast, uh, they made the wrong business decisions, but they made the right technical decisions and other people enjoyed their, the yeah. food of their investment. It's, it's hard. It's, uh, not, it, it's not an easy... Exactly, exactly. There is not only the technical part, there is also the business part. And this is another discussion, I think, because uh, I, I'm, uh, yeah, that's uh, can be a question. Uh, from your experience, as, uh, is there um, a business strategy uh, that startups in Israel have that is not the same than everywhere? Or at the end, it's more or less the same kind of business strategy? I, I think that um, I don't know how many... Um startups try to prevail first in a country which is not the country they are in. And you can see that from the filing trends in IP. So you have Israeli file at least seven to eight times more in the US than they file in Israel. No, logical, yeah. Yeah, so most of them, they think big, they go and address the the US market, but they start here in in Israel and the Israeli market it, it comes to a position that even a success in the local market is not a good indication for a VC. Yeah, exactly. So the VC tell you, okay, so you started, yeah, it's okay. So you sold in Tel Aviv. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we have, uh, there, is a, there is a joke about doubt, you know, the, the Israeli startup who succeed locally in Israel, they, 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 they you know, they are those who developed uh, uh, an app you know, to buy falafel. So it's, it's ridiculous, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sorry, guys. 
but it's it's a joke. But uh, of course, if you are if you are a startup starting in Israel and have a, a global ambition, you know you you try to knock at the door of, a, of an American VC who are, who have his office in, in Tel Aviv, and then you have his support to, to conquer the American market because when you have the American market, then you have the world market. But uh, and what about this dual uh, this duality between um, uh, American VC being present in, in Israel, but not just American VC, also big corporations. Uh, tech cooperation and also this this view of having dual listing both on the Tel Aviv stock exchange and the Nasdaq does it uh, does it help you know to conquer the the world market or is it or is it not relevant? I don't know if it's still so common. Uh, it's a good question. Uh, uh, it used to be. I, I think that companies today they are afraid to be listed only in Israel. Also, there are some investors that want the company to be listed first in the U.S., especially in the last year because of uh, the uh, some political matters that we have in Israel. So you see a lot of pressure of having uh, investment or company being uh, initiated in the U.S., uh, but that's not for every size. You know, that's after, only after you become big enough. It's, it's not the first step or the first round. You have to remember that in the first years, usually the companies, you know, 10, 30 people, the most, it's a small entity. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know, so, and, and, but what I see in many companies that uh, the R&D stays in Israel and some, and the sales, the management moved to the U.S. Mm-hmm. You, see that, uh, you see that a lot. And do they have, do they have uh, the support uh, in any way of the VC uh, who have the dual, the dual, uh, Headquarters, you know, uh, are, are they are are they just money provided and they, and they don't help, you know, uh, operation operationally or in the marketing or in the in the hiring or in the in the strategy uh, in the in, in the US. I think there are VCs which are very helpful. Mm. Uh, some of them prefer US investors. Uh, some Israeli uh, VCs they have almost all of the big ones, or if not all of them, they have an office in the Valley in New York. It's uh, very common. Uh, you have people who are coming in on uh, coming to Israel on a quarterly basis from the U.S. Uh, that they have many have in their portfolio many Israeli companies. Um, I think that there is this the connection between the Israeli uh, R and D and the and the U.S. management is is is, is very um, or involvement is very important. Hmm. One question: Does uh, the investor in Israel have the IP mindset? I mean, do, do they think about IP when they go to invest in a startup in Israel? Do they do a due diligence or? I, I don't. I, I'm not sure that enough. Some of them, from the habit of becoming, you know, fast and let's invest and let's go out and let's move fast and let's get to the product and it's possible, you know, increasing your value. So they, some of them, they don't really give enough hands on that. Uh, this leads to some bad decisions. Yeah, sure. Uh, and uh, and I, I saw um, bad outcomes of such management of not investing enough in IP or thinking enough on IP in the agro market, in the healthcare market. I think these, these are very um, sensitive areas. For IP and also consumer products, but you don't have a lot of patents, which are uh, you know companies. You know, in 2023, there are not so many companies who are who, who say, okay, I'm going to create a product and to market the product and to build the logistic and and yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you don't see that anymore. Uh, but in these markets as well, you know, the, the IP is very, very, and, uh, and, and you, you see the small mistakes. Um, the small mistakes are, um, okay, I'm, I, I want to save some money, so I'm not going to file a patent in Israel. Uh, and then you have a market in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, you have a bigger decision. Um, uh, IP is not a waste. It doesn't uh, important enough to have the CTO time. So I'm just going to give it to the VPR and Dean and he can do everything he wants. But uh, please don't uh, focus on the main issue because we want to keep it as a trade secret. Mm. So you have a company that is doing something, but the patents are completely on something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. these are common mistakes. So yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But when you have less money and less attention, and uh, VC and some and uh, and someone uh, VC is happy about you investing nothing, so the VC is telling you, okay, go and work with this patent attorney that is also doing nothing. So, <laughs> yes. So so, so, so yeah. So this is lack of IP education as well, because this is something like we see in Europe, for example. Um, okay. Okay, thank you. And uh, I had another question. Does uh, Israel Startup uh, have um, what we can call an advisory board most of the time? Or no, it's not something common? Or because... it's, it's very common to have an advisory okay. So this is maybe a, a big difference also, because in Europe, what we see today is that deep tech as an advisory board most of the time, uh, but regular startup, I would say, um, not so many. What we can see that licorns, yes, all, always have an adversary. Unicorns. Mm -hmm. Unicorns, thank you. <laughs> Unicorns. But uh, but I, I would say common and regular startups does not have uh, adversary. And uh, so, yeah, so in Israel, it's quite common to have an adversary. Yes, very common. I think it's part of the uh, part of the culture, especially of experienced founders. Once they initiate the founder, when they found the new entities, they always look for advisories. Okay. Say, okay, we're going to give you 2%, 1%, 10% on your role. And so that makes a, a big difference also to the success, I think. I, okay. think. I didn't think about it but uh, as much, but I think you're very right. It's, uh, especially if I look here, for example, you see this building here. Uh, this is uh, Monday. Yeah. Okay, so and this is NVIDIA. So, but here, if you look on Monday building, so... Uh, I know that Monday is a very used to be a very small startup, and now they are an empire, and they're very, very good. But they uh, started as being uh, very connected to Wix, so they got a lot of uh, input from Wix, and also as an advisory, one of their investors. I think it's very important that the investors or the advisory will be there to give you the right advice, especially. You don't have a lot of time to fail and you have limited time to success. And, you have exactly. uh, and uh, do you know if in these advisory board there is an IP strategist or an IP guy? Or Because most of the time you have a business uh, guy, you, got, you have a marketing guy, you got this kind of uh, profiles. But it's very rare to, to have uh, an IP uh, advisor. So is it it's the same from your point of view? Completely. Okay, yeah. Completely. Thank you. Maybe it's also because of I didn't think about it, uh, but you know, uh, people who go and be in becoming a patent attorney are usually people who are very risk adverse. Yes, <laughs> they want to have salaries, they want to have stable work, they want to work in a firm. I'm not sure that many of them will be ready to uh, to risk their time, you their billable time for potential uh, percents. It's yeah, 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 a good one at least. Good advisory is uh, hard to find. Okay. okay. Thank you. Um, you you talk you talk about you know the advisory board for tech startups and 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 even deep tech startups, but 
in the common language when we talk about startup is a, some is an entity that already have some technology built or, or you know quite advanced but what i love you know in, in in the in the innovation is a very early step from the idea to the first uh, uh, you know the first moment, first years of of doing creativity, and and particularly uh, in the in the university system in, in Israel, do you have some 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 element to provide about how the transfer is made, how the TTO uh, scan, you know, what could be uh, transferred to a startup or not? Because it's very important for me uh, this this point and. Um, and by the way, and another question on that is uh, how, if, if you know how your TTO in, in, in your technology transfer office are convincing, you know, senior scientists to not publish their, their work and to, to make it avail available for the, for, you know, for, for free for the, for, for the world, but to make it a, a patent, a, a, to, to feel a patent instead, you know, because there is always a fight between senior scientists who want, because they are carriers dependent of the publication, and you know the the patent for making a startup and a commercial entities. So, do you have some element about how the technology transfer is done in, in US through the university to, and to startups? So, I think that the, the traditional model is probably is the one that you you know. I don't think they invented anything. Uh, and then I will talk, give you an example of something that I feel that works better. Uh, there is, uh, of course, in, uh, in the TTOs usually a person that is. Uh, responsible for the patent filing and it's usually the business division that identifies the ideas and then gives them ranks and they allocate them for uh, good for and identify going to instruct the innovation and usually they don't know enough about patents but they know enough about business and the people who knows enough about patents don't know enough about business and there are things which are lost in the way uh, and also the incentive is relatively limited especially uh, because, you know, if you get a limited amount of percent of a computer-related invention and you don't know about the infringer, and uh, so if they don't feel that they're going to be compensated much for it, and then sometimes they're not feel that they have the energy to do a lot of with it. So you find yourself in a position that you have two types. You have the very gifted uh, researchers that uh, only care about research, mm -hmm. but they don't care about the practical aspects, and they usually don't file a lot although they sometimes invent the most pivotal invention because they are very disruptive, you know, like something that completely changed the way we think, completely changed the way we work. But usually you got those patents lost and you have two guys which are very practical and very connected to the industry already giving a consultancy to us, some startups and they, mm -hmm. they understand the importance and they do file a lot. Okay, Sometimes they do file a lot and you have very good examples of of, of such types that left universities, universities sometimes don't get enough. Uh, for example, uh, you have uh, the Mobileye, Mobileye mm. based on Professor Shashua from the Hebrew University. Amazing, but he left the university and they invented it. I don't want to go to the legal lease, but uh, let's say university didn't, did not enjoy um, as much as uh, my, some people may think from this project. Um, but you see, uh, the, where, when the IP is integrated into the process, it is usually integrated into the process when the university gives you other services as well. And you can see that, for example, in, uh, in hospitals, in Sheba, Sheba, for example, in Israel, one of the biggest hospitals, they provide a, 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 the uh, physicians, they connect them to an engineer. 
to an engineer that works for the hospital, to a designer. So they work together into bringing the device to life. Okay, they work together in not just leaving it in theoretical, academical level, but they actually reduce it somehow to practice. Once you have these guys inside the industry, that's become interesting because at that point, the IP is more involved. Yeah. Because there is a project, there is a name to it, there is a practical application, there is a name to it, there is an inventor, there is an implementor. It's all structured. It's not just in the air. And there you, you get good IP and uh, good protection. And I think it's an interesting, it's an, an interesting uh, concept. And just as, uh, you know, if I would open, a, uh, for example, a VC and I believe, for example, in, in Zurich University, I will, in theory will say, okay, Zurich University, look in, uh, listen, uh, let's, I will build this, uh, we call it TTO, but uh, implementation center or engineering center, and we invest uh, 30 million uh, franc in it. And every, uh, every, uh, and we're going to check for the project and we're going to connect people to implement in-house and make an, a minimum viable product. And then you will, might have not only an IP, but also proof of concept and something that is actually working. And this is a real start for a business, a real start for making money out of it. I think much, much of, much more uh, of, we'll give it a much more success rate, higher success rate than just, you know, protecting uh, educational, academical ideas. And do you have some element about uh, uh, how TTO and startup incubators of university uh, make the deal with the startups? I mean, recently we have a kind of, uh, let's say, scandal, but maybe for big word for that. Uh, the founders of spin-out uh, uh, startups of Oxford University complained in the media because uh, the TTO of Oxford asked uh, ask too much equity and ask too much royalties. And this is a, this is a, this is a fundraising killer you know, for, for VC. When you, come on, when you come and see a startup that has 40% of a TTO in the equity and the TTO ask 40% royalties, it's just crazy. They don't know what you want to invest in this startup. Even the tech is great, uh, uh, coming from a Nobel Prize, nobody wants to put money in that because it's, it's, not a, it's crazy. And, uh, and of course, this is very extreme. And Oxford uh, University um, defend that, say, hey, we are Oxford. We, you know, we are one of the best universities in the world with many Nobel Prize, blah, blah, blah. But this is a, this is a business killer. Um, it's, what is it's, the, it's the same here for some universities. I feel it's the same. Hmm. There are business killers. Uh, some universities does not, uh, is, are not, do not give enough percentage to make it viable to invest but I think I feel that it's changing. Some, some it's changing, and people understand that. Uh, in every university has this uh, blockbuster uh, drug that they uh, are very happy about, and they look and said, "Okay, hey, here we gave only two percent to the uh, inventor, and uh, now he's very rich." Mm. Okay, so that's that's not the common case. That's once once every uh, you know uh, you don't have a lot of blockbusters. Yeah. That's... It can be linked to the fact that it was only two percent. <laughs> As a, usually the rule uh, to not let the audience without without some key, the rule is to 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 offer to 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 make a deal at five percent max equity with the TTO. They have five percent of your equity, and you you offer them two percent royalties uh, if you have a revenue, because most of the time 
technology-based startups and particularly uh, deep tech startups doesn't have revenue. So if one day you have revenue, you can you can accept to give back some two percent. This is fair. <laughs> it's, all, it's, it's all a play belief in the end. You know, it's a, even one hundred percent of zero is. Uh, yeah. It's not as good as two percent of one hundred uh, million. Yeah. But you don't know. But if you kill the investment before it happened, so it will be always will be one hundred percent of zero. Yeah. So what's the point? There's no point in it. So um, you, you say that, uh, of course, the, 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 major, the major strength of Israel in terms of technology was mainly on information technology, computer science-based uh, technology. But uh, we, as an outsider, uh, see, hear about many news about other fields of technology. Um, I don't know, medical device uh, or was biotech. It? You have fantastic biotech. No, I'm biology by training, so I, I, I follow your biotech that are fantastic uh, uh, and how do you see the evolution of this, this type of deep tech and tech based company so I think you're right it's a good point there is a lot of success with medical devices as well but on also on, on biotech but you, you have to remember that when I say success with info it's success not just to develop and invent it's also mm-hmm. to market and, and to bring it to the to bring it to the market because when you look at medical devices you see a lot of innovation but in the end you don't see a lot of companies that actually made it and sell product you know we have, we have one medinol medinol is creating stents one of the but even medinol uh, before they created stents for the heart they had to go through boston uh, then from uh, uh, through boston uh, and uh, you, you look at uh, biosense a great company uh, which was sold, and only now uh, uh, you see the the bias is how uh, how JNG uh, JNJ are uh, doing. Um, wouldn't say just doing a lot of money, but having a, a huge part of the market uh, due to biosense uh, uh, products. So you see those those innovation go in the medical field. They get to the regular regula, regulatory step, and then it's stuck. You know because it's hard to to, to sell to hospitals. It's hard to, to pass the uh, FDA and uh, maybe CE. So yeah, easier. yeah. It's easier, but it's still hard. Uh, so so you have uh, you have challenges for the regulatory step. But if you look from only from the innovation point of view, you are right. Also, medical device doesn't require huge labs, huge... Uh, mm-hmm. But when you go to the clinical stage... Of course. That's it. That's it's it. another story. story. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and you have some success stories. You have uh, success takes like Protalix, for example, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, developed from a uh, uh, vegetable-based or uh, fruit-based... Uh, uh, and recombinant uh, products and for recombinant uh, recombinant proteins, they are very they have a very strong, uh, very interesting technology. But also for them, there are a lot of uh, challenges over time, and you don't see a lot of uh, companies like Portalix. I have many. Uh, I have uh, two questions uh, about still, you know, the, the international uh, um, comparison. Um, so, uh, okay. We understand that what makes the great the great ingredient for the Israeli ecosystem, uh, but now we have uh, other places who are, who are very dynamic: Taiwan, uh, Singapore, of course, South Korea. Uh, South Korea is a crazy country, you know. Uh, uh, with, with with Samsung, uh, the 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 second most important minister uh, 
uh, in Singapore just after the prime minister is the is the, is the minister of science and technology. It's uh, it's crazy, you know. Uh, so I love I love this concept, you know, of uh, putting the knowledge at, at the eight at the, of the of the country. You have also Luxembourg, very dynamic, Switzerland, of course, uh, and some hotspots like London, Silicon Valley, Boston, etc. As you are both guys, uh, IP expert, you have this vision of uh, of the, the global innovation bubbling everywhere. How do you see um, the future of Israel compared to this to this uh, hot place? Uh, is the competition become more 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 hard or you're confident? I'm not confident at all. <laughs> not confident at all. So I, I think that we will have to invent ourselves for, from the um, every day. Mm. Yes, but you are doing it. I mean, you, you have this mindset to fail fast, to invent fast. So I think you, you are, I will be more optimistic <laughs> because you have already this mindset. If you don't, didn't have this mindset, I would say, yeah, I'm okay with it. I agree because uh, competition is very hard, but you, you have this mindset to, if you fail, you find an, a new way to succeed. And uh, from a, an evolution point of view, you never can't beat this kind of, uh, of process. I mean, uh, if you are able to evolve each time, you, you, you will succeed. So what, what do you think? Is, is, the, is, your, is the hungriness is still there? I mean, oh, is, the, yeah. is the willing to conquer by entrepreneurship, of course, is still there? Yes, yes. But I think those are, the distractions are very... Um, becoming very challenging. It's very, um, you know, uh, the people here, you have to maintain them happy and, and here. Sure. As long as the country doesn't provide your basic stability and you feel that everything's falling apart, people will leave. Young people yeah. will leave and uh, you, other countries will enjoy their engineering abilities. I think uh, the fact that uh, the country, we, we have, like many other countries, issues with... Uh, with fake news, with, uh, with uh, what is important, um, segregation of, uh, created by politics. I think it's a real danger to the market. Yeah, I, I would say that maybe Israeli startup will solve will, will, Yeah, but, but I think Israeli people will keep succeeding because it will not depend on the, the country where they are. They have the mindset to succeed, to fail fast, to build fast and to succeed. So probably based on the country, as you said, yes, maybe it's, um, we are not so optimistic, but uh, I think if you export its mindset anywhere in the world, it works. So Israeli people will continue to succeed. It's a, it's a very interesting question. You know, what depends when you look about an Israeli startup entrepreneur, what he had to pass to become an Israeli startup entrepreneur. He had to go to a school system which is not as stable uh, as a school system in Europe. He had to go to the army. He had to be grown by uh, parents which are a little bit uh, caring uh, fears from the past. Yeah. I don't know if you can have all of that, uh, you know, in the good, nice surrounding of a nice school. With, uh, yes, I see what you mean. Maybe you can. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question. And, and in, in and you have, and you have this, uh, this, this, I don't want to bring uh, religion into it because I don't think it's the issue. But you have this Jewish mother uh, that uh, believes in you where it doesn't matter what you do. 
Yeah, so that, 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 will be, that was my next question. It was about education uh, do, uh, regarding army, but also uh, parenting. Do you think that the education that parents provide to their child uh, in Israel are linked to this mindset of I fail, but I try again and, uh, and therefore success? Uh, and, and another question, do you think that uh, the army mindset Uh, the structure that can provide you, uh, the way you think, the way you organize things, have a, um, a relation also with the success? I, 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 I assume it does. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. Yeah. I think so. But not uh, about the personal price, but I assume. Okay. Yeah. When I went to the army, I wanted to be a film director. <laughs> When I finished the army, I was registered to computer science and law. Hmm. Something <laughs> happened in between. <laughs> So now you're on screen, so you're a kind of actor now. <laughs> <laughs> Something happened. But yes. We say that the army is a melting pot. If you don't melt when you go out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, it's, uh, it's another ingredient that you succeed. So yes, you're right. I mean, um, if, if, yeah, if you export this mindset to another country, but you don't have this parenting oh, yeah. approach, for example, of the army side, uh, you will lose with time. You will lose part of these ingredients of the recipe. So probably in 10, 20 years, you will not have any more of these, all these ingredients succeed. Uh, this, this, is, this is very true because uh, when you have a European uh, Jew who wants to, to come in Israel, you know, but who are born in Europe, bred in the European culture, they are a little bit shocked, you know, by the Israeli mentality that is very frank, very direct, very, very, very punchy and, you know, dynamic. They are literally um, completely shocked, you know, you know they, they, are, they, are, they are gross, they are, they are direct, they, you know, so, and most of them come back because they can't handle this pressure of the Israeli society. But so, I, I, I want just to, to, sorry, I want just to, to, to have another question that is related to what I said. Uh, in Silicon Valley, uh, in, in, in USA, if... It's open to entrepreneurs, you know, you can have a special visa for creating this company, you know. So is um, this great ecosystem for entrepreneurship in Israel quite open to foreigners? And by foreigners, of course, I, I'm talking largely. Can, can someone just take his backpack and a computer and come to, to the Israel, to Tel Aviv uh, uh, incubator and try to... Is it open or, or is it very difficult? No, I think very, very, very... Oh, great. That, that is great to, to hear that. Tel Aviv is very, very, very... Nobody cares. Do whatever you want. Mm, this is great. I think people are very friendly and uh, English is, very, is the basic language for communication in all startups and companies. You, mm -hmm. I have people working with me and they don't speak Hebrew. They don't write it. And yeah. they didn't have, and didn't, uh, and didn't, and they don't uh, have. They, what can I say? Uh, they are really foreigners in terms of culture. You know, they they don't have uh, all the all the tick. You know, they didn't make the, the they didn't have the Jewish mother. They didn't have the edu Jewish education. Yeah. They didn't went to to army. You know, so they just come and just integrate to the society and and yeah. work and and make. Uh, this is great. This is really great to to, to hear that. Yeah, and. On a fiscality point of view, there is, is there any advantages uh, regarding Israel? I mean, in like in taxes for companies, or, or is it more or less the same than everywhere? Um, there are some hubs that helps you. The, it's very easy and acceptable to find places to sit, and you can find organizations that will help you and come. And you know, there's a lot of webinars and organizations and lectures, and the Innovation Authority helps. So uh, you have to, to pass a bar of innovation, but uh, of course there is help. 
Okay. Uh, but um, the tax perspective is not so helpful. I think the tax is relatively high, not as high as in Germany, but nothing like Switzerland. Uh, and, um, it's it's not easy, but I don't think it's easier here. Uh, but I, th I think it's a key ingredient. I mean, if it's too easy, you will lose the mindset again. Uh, I think it's really like a, an ecosystem uh, in biology. If mm. you if you change a parameter of the ecosystem, the temperature, the pressure, or, or any kind of parameters, uh, you're I mean your living uh, beings inside this ecosystem will not survive as well as before. They will not be adapted to this new ecosystem. So yeah, uh, probably the Israel example cannot be exactly um, exported as it is. Uh, or if we want to export it, I think we need to, to export it. With, but uh, like uh, in, um, in a box with all the different ingredients, and we have to keep that in mind. And probably the parenting uh, way is very crucial, because as we know, uh, when we are child before five years old, everything that we learn is part of our program. To how we, we, we live our life as an adult. So if for sure, if parents always said, we believe in you, whatever you do, for sure, when you will create your startups, we are, you will not be afraid to fail. Uh, but if you don't have this kind of parenting education at the beginning, and if your parents said always, ah, you have to succeed, otherwise I don't love you, ah, sure, you will not even try to make your startups. <laughs> yeah, it's probably something... Uh... In you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a very, very important ingredient. Uh, yeah. As a young parent, I, I completely uh, agree with that. Fantastic. So we we are, we are reaching the end of this great discussion. We, we, we can keep you forever, right? You know, to just to, to keep this discussion so so fascinating. It's great. So great to, to hear uh, what you have to say about Israel. And it's great because we are all admir admi admiring this country. For, because we are, we are all science and technology lovers here, you know. So when when we see hotspots in the world who are doing so great in terms of science, tech, and innovation, we are all also you now dreaming to be part of it. Thank you so much. Roy. Would you like to to say some end some words to end this, this discussion? Uh, some question you would you would you would like it? I asked and I didn't. Um, just thank you for your time and, and for question. Uh... Let's hope that uh, liberal democracy will stay alive in the world and keep us all happy. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I thank you so much. It depends on us. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. No, thank, thank you very you. much. It was very insightful and very, very interesting. And it's always nice to, to, to exchange with uh, an IP pro. Best regards and I uh, uh, hope to see you around. Yes. yes, yes. We stay in touch. Bye -bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye.